0: welcome to bangalore revival center here we dream revival and serve people with love today pastor pridji concludes teaching from the cross series on how the cross of jesus carried all our curses and in return extends the blessing that god wanted to give us do listen and be blessed you're ready to go into the word we'll start with galatians chapter 3 and verse one. Oh, foolish Galatians! Let, let, let's let's uh, change it to oh, foolish BRCians. Okay, is it okay? We are not calling another church. You know, let's not criticize someone else. Let's criticize ourselves. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Go. Oh, foolish BRCians! Who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen the very picture of his death on the cross paul is writing to a church that had an encounter with jesus that had been transformed by the love of jesus that had been walking with jesus this church has been in existence for a long time paul is the one responsible for the planting of this church and now he's writing back to the church saying oh foolish galatians oh foolish believers of this church who has cast an evil spell on you he's not talking about a spell that has made them lose their focus on the things that we think are important you know you know when we look at someone who is not attending church regularly we'll say man this guy has lost his focus uh, you know you 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 would, you would want to say something about that person If you see someone who is not dressing well to church then we will criticize them If you see someone who is not doing certain things right or speaking certain languages correct We will criticize them and we will say hey this guy is under bad influence But this is apostle paul's Understanding of when someone is under bad influence. He says you have taken your eyes off of the cross Read it one more time Oh foolish who has cast an evil spell on you because the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made very clear to you. It is almost as if all of you guys were there on on the day when Jesus died and you saw the passion of Jesus' life in person. That is how the death of Jesus was made clear to you. But now, all of a sudden, I feel like we have lost that passion for the death of Jesus. And he says, why? Who is influencing you? Who is taking your eyes off of the cross? All the other things that we think are so, so important are actually not as important as it it is. The cross of Jesus Christ is the central thing in the in the history of uh, of humanity it is the central thing in the history of the church it is the foundational thing in defining our relationship with God you now I've been teaching you about this for the last few weeks how the cross is in fact more important than the resurrection I mean I'm not saying the resurrection is not important please understand the resurrection of a faith hinges on the resurrection and yet the cross of jesus christ when he died on the cross what the world saw as humility what the world saw as brokenness was in fact a place of elevation was in fact the reason of jesus to be placed in a uh, in the highest of heights and that is the reason for our blessing and our elevation too that is the reason we can now prosper you remember the five things we talked about last sunday now, those who are poor, now you and I, we can be rich because of the cross. Those who were in sin, now we can be sinless because of the cross. Those who lived in shame, now we, we, we do not have to live and embrace that shame anymore because of the cross. So there are things that has happened in our lives, there are changes that has happened in our life because of this shameful thing. According to the world, the, the, the most cruel thing and Paul says, the moment we take our eyes off of what Jesus has done for us on the cross by his death, that is the moment it's almost like a, an evil spell has been cast on us. An evil spell has been cast on us. You know, if you see that someone is doing witchcraft on somebody, would you, would you go crazy in praying for them? Come on, talk to me. Okay, let's say that someone casts the witchcraft on you. What would be your first step? You, you're not going to tolerate that. You're not going to say, okay, let's, let's wait for something to, let's see, you know, if this will really work. Let's see. No, 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 you're, you're going to go crazy. You, you know that, okay, this is, this is a big deal. I cannot let this thing survive in my life. You, you're going to go all out to fight it, right? And Paul says, uh, the fact that your focus is no longer on the cross, that is equivalent to you being under the influence of witchcraft. Yeah. We, we think, oh oh my God, I, I lost an opportunity or I lost a business. It should be a witchcraft. No, there is, there is a, the biggest witchcraft is when you lose your attention to the cross of Jesus. And Paul goes on to explain in verse 3. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3. How foolish can you be? Look at your neighbor and say, how foolish can you be? Because after starting new lives in the spirit are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort See, this is this is how Paul knew that they took their eyes off of the cross is that they they had seen a revelation of what Jesus has done for them that is how they gave their lives to Jesus and yet after having begun their relationship with God by fixing their eyes on the cross. Now they were trying to become perfect based on their own human effort, based on their ability to keep the law, based on their ability to do certain things right. Now they were saying, oh, I do these, these, these things. So I should be good. So I am a great Christian. Hey, wait a minute. I'm, I'm not saying that you should not do these things. I'm saying that those are not the things that make you perfect. Those are not the things that make you pure or holy. Those are not the things that help you. The one thing that we need to learn is that the cross of Jesus is not just for the time when we get saved. We are being saved, the Bible says. Not just that we were saved once upon a time. We are being saved. And in this being saved, in this process of salvation, we need to have this revelation of what Jesus has done for us on the cross perpetually before us ever as the picture when when we are going through a trouble the cross when we are going when we are facing temptations look at the cross when we are going through a physical challenge or when we are going through a lack go back to the cross the answer is all available all issues all problems all the challenges the answer is available in the cross because it is in the cross that we are now trying to you know fulfill or live our lives by the spirit any time we take the take our eyes off of the cross then we are all, all already gone back to religion see the one thing about the old testament religion and even the new testament this sometimes we become so religious is because we we take our eyes off of the relationship that god gave us through the cross into making it into a routine making into making into a religious practices and saying okay if only i can do these things and paul says you began in the spirit your rebirth experience was in the spirit But now you need to learn how to be perfected also in the spirit. You cannot begin in the spirit and then finish in the flesh. What you began in the spirit has to be finished in the spirit. Jump to verse 10. He says, those of us who depend on the law to make them right with God, they are under his curse. Some, some people in the church at Galatia, they, they were trying now to become perfect by adhering to the law, adhering to the Old Testament, adhering to all the principles. Okay, do this, don't do this, be here, don't be here, all these things. And they're like, okay, as long as we can keep all the rules and regulations, then we can be perfect. Now, see, when we come to Jesus, he's going to transform our hearts. He's going to transform our minds. And now, we are expected to still live a life that is of high standard. We'll come to that later. But any time that we try to do that without Jesus, we are actually going back to depending on the law. And the Bible says, anybody that tries should depend on the law to make them right with God. Anybody that depends on rules and regulations, on religion and Christianity to make them right with God. Anybody that thinks that church can help you to be right with God. That church, just attending church, just being in services, being, you know, just doing the right things that everybody else is doing. That can help me to be right with God. The Bible says they are technically under a curse. It says for the scriptures say, cursed is everyone who does not observe. And obey one, two, three, four. How many commands? All the commands that are written in God's book of the law. God is not saying if you don't obey me, you are a bad person. God is saying if you don't obey me, you're a cursed person. Do you remember what happened when man started to sin and live a life of rebellion against God in the Old Testament, you know, in in the Garden of Eden? Curse came upon the earth. Curse came upon everything that man touched. So it was no longer just sin. It was no longer just bad things or bad person. Now, now God is saying, hey, you are cursed. The land is cursed because of you. Everything that you touch is cursed because of what you have done. And according to the Old Testament law, if you have if you've kept, you know, there are about 613 commands in the Old Testament, you know, that they have, Written down as, as as all the commands that are there in the Torah. And out of the 613, you kept 612. But you messed up with one. Then guess what the Bible says about you? You're cursed. Cursed. That's why he says anybody that tries to depend on the law to make them right with God. Anybody that tries to depend on the rules and the regulations to make them right with God. They are cursed. Now, for those of you who are unaware of some of the rules and regulations, we are going to go into it and and help you see how, you know, and not all 613, but you know the Ten Commandments at least? Can we read those? Okay, let's go to Exodus chapter 20. Just to feel a little guilty this morning, okay? Is that okay? All of you are ready for this guilt trip? Okay, let's go. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2. The Lord says, I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. The first commandment that God gave them was that I have to be the Lord, your God. I am the Lord, your God. I am your Lord. See, some of us, we have acknowledged God as God, but not as our Lord. We don't give him Lordship in our lives. We don't give him the place of being everything in our lives that's why the bible says i'm the lord your god your god personal it becomes very very uh, he, he begins to get very involved in our lives see in genesis chapter 1 when we read about how god created heaven and the earth you wouldn't see the phrase lord you would only see god In the beginning God created heaven and the earth and then God said so and so. But in chapter 2 when we talk about the creation of man you would all of a sudden see then the Lord God created man from the dust of the earth. Because now it was not just uh, the God of the universe Elohim now it was Yahweh who wanted to be personal with us individually involved into our lives. And when we look at God and we say I've got it under control. I, I don't need your help in this. Guess what we are? We are sinners according to the, the Ten Commandments. We've broken the first commandment. And if you've broken the commandment, then what 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 does the Bible say? We are cursed. Let's go to the next verse. It says, verse 3, You must not have any other God but me. All of us are guilty for this? All of us have broken this i don't need to explain some of these commandments because we have learned this from our childhood as things that we are going to do and want to do and we pursue to do but according to this scripture we have all sinned and we've all been cursed because we love having god and having someone else also we give them that same space you know we we equate things You know, the other time we were in this youth camp and, you know, they were asking us, how can we have a nice balance? We want to spend time with God. We want to do work. We want to spend time with our families. How can we have a balance? And and this is what I told them. You cannot balance. Like, you know, do you understand what balance is? You know what is a balance, right? You, what you're saying is, I'm going to keep God on one side and I'm going to keep all these other things on the other side. I'm going to balance it all out. Come on, can you really balance God with anything else? Can you keep God on the balance and, and, and do whatever it takes to, you know? There is, see, God cannot be in your balance at all. That's why Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He didn't ask you to seek after a job. He didn't ask you to seek after a life partner. He didn't ask you to seek after financial provision. He didn't ask you to seek after food, clothing, shelter. He just said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else that you need, everything else that you require, it will seek after you. It will come after you. It will be added to you. That is why we cannot have any other God but Him. But we, have, we are all guilty of this. We've all done this. And we are all sinners. And because of which we have inherited a curse because of that. Verse 4 says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in heavens or on the earth or in the sea. It goes on to say how you should not bow down to it and you should not rever it and come on, we live in a world of idol worship. And I'm not talking about India. I'm talking about all those idols that we idolize. All those idols. So much so that some of these idols now begin to invade even your dream realm. These idols are now the reason for you to make certain fashion choices. These idols are the reasons, reason why you're making certain choices with regards to what car you want to drive, where you want to live. You, we, we, we all have our idols in life. Accept it. We, we all have our idols in life. And because of which, we are guilty of this. And the Bible says that you must not have, you must not make an idol. Verse 7, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God that is a that is a big thing people used to be stoned to death if they would misuse if they would use the name of God in vain big deal you should not use the name of God in vain how often have we been doing that not necessarily by just saying oh my God you know, which is like a very common thing right Jesus, you know how often I I keep keep making fun of Elina for this, and like uh, because every time there is a there's someone who cuts the lane or everything, you know she the first thing she would scream out is Jesus. I said if you really meant Jesus every time you scream out Jesus, we would have had revival by now. (laughs) (laughs) The number of times you call out Jesus, I mean all of us meaningly or unmeaningly. We, we have misused the name of Jesus. We have misused the name of God. We have used his name in vain. And we are all guilty of this. Verse 8. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You know in the Old Testament it was much easier because it was only one day. In The New Testament, the Bible says we have already entered into our Sabbath. Which means all seven days of the week is Sabbath. In the Old Testament, you have to to be very careful on what you do and what you don't do on one day. Today, all seven days, we have to keep it holy. All seven days, we have to to keep God as priority. Work and everything else takes second priority. And we are all guilty of this. Verse 12. This is for all my children in the church. The Bible says, Come come on. All of us have parents, so we can all read it. Yeah, no problem. But let's specifically get them to be a little guilty this morning, okay? It says, honor your father and mother. Then what will happen to you then? You will live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You know, growing up, this was the one verse in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. I so sure hated hate it with all my life because... Because this was the verse that my parents and my pastors they would use to constantly you know keep me under subjugation and they're like hey you're obeying all these other things but this is the one area where you you don't seem to get it right this is in the scripture and all of us in one way or the other we are guilty of breaking this and by that law we have sinned and we are under curse next line verse 13 you must not Murder. Now you know that Jesus redefined murder for us. If you come to Matthew chapter five, Jesus said, Hey, if you call somebody idiot <laughs> or fool, yeah, go back and read this. He's, he's not saying you don't need a weapon to kill people. Yeah. I mean we are thinking of if 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 you that you I need a I need a gun or I need I need some all all you need is a nice tongue. In all of us have tongues, right? Yeah. By that, we're all murderers here. Yeah. We've all killed people. Can you imagine Jesus is saying, your words, it's very powerful. And he actually said, by the words you speak, you will in fact be convicted or you will be acquitted by the words that you speak. And by that rule, We are all murderers. Verse 14. You must not commit adultery. Jesus redefined this as well. He said, you don't have to actually practically do adultery. He said, hey, if you just look at someone with lust in your eyes, that's it. We have have committed adultery. So by that that standards, all of us, we are adulterers. Verse 15. You must not steal Again, you don't have to practically go into the bank and, you know, do a robbery. But if you, if you have desired things that are not yours. Greed is equivalent to stealing. Verse 16, you must not falsely testify against your neighbor. All the gossipers said an amen. (laughs) Yeah, come on, we, we. know in the church we have holy gossipers yeah and the Bible says you must not falsely testify about your neighbor if you if you cannot testify please keep your mouth shut but don't falsely testify by this law many of us are sinners many of us we are we are cursed verse 17 I feel that this verse was there in the Bible only for me, specifically targeting at me. Read it out. It says, you must not covet what doesn't belong to you. How many of us should we covet someone else's iPhone? We we don't take it. We don't steal it. But we only covet it. You know? I mean, come on! I mean, this is the one thing where the Old Testament laws it hit the heart, because everything else was on the outside: do not kill, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not, do not, uh, you know, speak falsely. But here, coveting is not something that can be proven outside, right? Coveting is not something that can be proven in the court of law. You can't call. The lawyers and prove that this guy was actually coveting no coveting is a state of your heart and it says if you did covet something that doesn't belong to you then you've broken the law then you've broken the commandments now let me see uh, by if you want to raise your hands you can raise your hands and say I have kept all of these ten if you do I'm gonna go for the next six hundred and three more (laughs) But all of us have broken this, right? This is what the Bible says. Galatians chapter 3 verse 10. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So by this standard, all of us, we have inherited a curse. All of us. We, we can't now blame someone else. We can't blame our parents. We can't blame Adam and Eve. You know, so many of us, we... We, we say, oh, it's, if only Eve wouldn't have done that. What have we done? We have also done very evil things with our life. And because of which we have inherited a curse. But are you ready for the good news? Come on, church, talk to me. Yes. Are you ready for the good news? Verse 13, it says, but Christ. Somebody say, but Christ. But Christ. Loudly, but Christ. but Christ. One more time, but Christ. It says, but Christ has rescued us from the curse that has, that has been pronounced upon us by the law. That is the good news for us. That yes, we are cursed. Yes, we are sinners. Yes, we are disobedient. Yes, we are dishonorable people. Yes, we are idol worshippers. And yet Jesus Christ, he has rescued us from the curse. He has rescued us from the curse that was pronounced upon us by the law. What does it say? Verse, the next line of the same verse. Then he was hung on the cross, what he took upon himself was the curse of our, the curse for our wrongdoing. Everything that we broke, everything that we, that we have gone against the law, The curse for that Jesus he took upon himself when he died on the cross. The curse fell upon him. For it is written in the scriptures. See, everything is a result of what is written in the scriptures. We are cursed because of what is written in the scriptures. We are freed from the curse because of what is written in the scriptures. It says, For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who is hung. On a tree here is someone who was hung on a tree for a reason that he didn't do anything about he carried our curse he rescued us from our curse and he took our curses upon himself so now all of us have those things you know see the Bible says a curse that does not deserve that you don't deserve will not fall upon you so don't worry when somebody says oh your curse you don't have to worry you can you can walk away free Don't have to go into a 40-day fasting and prayer. Yeah? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because a curse that you don't deserve will not fall upon you. But the problem with us is most of us deserve most of the things that are spoken over our lives. But the Bible says even the ones that we do deserve, Jesus, he took that upon himself jesus he he bore our curse he took it upon himself now the result of these curses now the result of these you know words that were spoken pronounced over your life either by the law or anyone else who you know placed laws or rules or regulations upon your life any curses that we did deserve sometimes because of our disobedience to our earthly parents they They say very mean things. You're never going to succeed in life. Or you're never going to have happiness in your marriage. Or you're never going to have money. they, They would speak things in that moment of anger. In that moment of hurt. And even those curses. The Bible says Jesus. He took the curse upon himself. All the curses that were supposed to come to us. He took it upon himself. When he died on the cross. When he Went up on that cross. The cross is the curse breaker. You don't need a special pastor to come and lay hands on you and pray and declare and believe for the curse to be broken. The cross is the curse breaker. What you do need is a revelation of that cross. See that is why Apostle Paul is saying what has happened to you you foolish Galatians who has cast an evil spell upon you because now you can't see the cross and now because you can't see the cross you are now living you are welcoming these curses and you've accepted these curses over your life but if you can see that cross and that was apostle paul's role in the church to show them the cross, to preach Christ crucified, so that they can see the cross in such a way that no curses will have authority over their life anymore. No curses will have the upper hand over their relationships. Amen. Verse 14, through Jesus Christ, read it loud one, two, three, go. Through Jesus Christ, God has blessed the Gentiles with the same blessing that was promised to abraham because of whom through jesus christ now it's it's one thing for the curse to be removed it's another thing to be blessed now through jesus christ not only has the curse been removed now a blessing has been pronounced a blessing has been given a blessing that you do not deserve a curse that you do deserve is taken away and a blessing that you do not deserve has been given to you because of the cross, because of what Jesus did. It was an exchange. It was a divine exchange that happened. The curse was taken and a blessing was spoken. See, this blessing was only meant to be for Abraham's descendants. You know that nobody could even buy into this citizenship of Israel. You, 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 just because you lived in Israel for 10 years, you can't become a citizen of Israel. Just because you got circumcised, you couldn't become a citizen of Israel. It, you, it, had, to be, it had to be proven, genealogically proven. You know, When they came back from exile, there were so many people who couldn't prove their genealogical records. Because of which they did not get their land. These guys, they came back you know, and they're like, sorry, we, we don't know who our parents were. We don't know who their parents were. We don't know which tribe we are from. And, uh, and the leader said guys hold on don't serve here you know some of them were even Levites and, and these guys said don't serve in the temple don't do this let's, let's secure yourself and let's wait on the Lord let's hear from God first if you're truly an Israelite if you're truly from this tribe only then we will assign you your things and so things that we did not deserve a promise, a blessing that we did not deserve it is now ours. It is now given to us. Do you want to know the biggest blessing that we have? Are you ready? See, Abraham was given a lot of blessings. Abraham was given a lot of promises. It was the blessing of womb, the blessing of children, the blessing of property, the blessing of uh, abundance. All of this were given to Abraham. But let's let's read about this, okay? Says, so that we who are believers, we might receive the promised holy spirit through faith we who are believers what is the biggest blessing that is given for abraham's descendants this is not for everybody by the way this this blessing of the presence of the holy spirit it was not supposed to be for you and for me it was only specifically for abraham's descendants and along with everything else along with the wealth and along with the prosperity and along with everything else God is saying hey I'm also going to give you the Holy Spirit he is the greatest blessing that the father has ever given the church the father has ever given the the humanity where he says now the Holy Spirit will come in you And he will be with you and he will he will be the one now teaching you what to do what not to do he will be your counselor he will be your advocate he will be a friend to you he will remind you of things that i have told you he will be a very present help for you in times of need the holy spirit the holy spirit that's why apostle paul is writing to the church and saying hey what you began in the spirit why are you now trying to perfect it in the flesh because don't you have the Holy Spirit? Don't you have the, the best, the greatest, the most beautiful gift of all? Why are you going back to depending on human effort? We are blessed because of the cross. Not only our curses are taken away, but now we are blessed. In a few minutes, we are about to take communion. And that communion, it is a, a, a sign, it is a symbol of blessing 1st Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16 it says the cup of blessing everybody say the cup of, cup of blessing when you take that cup in your hands it is not just an ordinary cup it's a cup of blessing when you partake in it you're, you're exchanging the curses you know just like we've, we've ha- received curses for what we've done over our whole life. The last six days, seven days of this week, there are things that we have done because of which we have inherited curses. But the moment we take that cup in our hands, the moment we are willing to surrender everything into the hands of God, it says there is an exchange that happens. We give our curses away and we receive his blessing because what we are carrying in our hands is the cup of blessing. Read it with me. The cup of blessing that we bless. Is it not an invitation? is, Is it not a welcome for you and I to participate in the blood of Christ? Now we inherit all of God's promises because of what Jesus has done. Now we are part of this blessing because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. The bread that we break verse 16 is it not a participation in the body of christ church we are here this morning not just to sing about jesus not just to take communion we are here to participate in christ we are we are here to be a a body of jesus we are here to be active members of his body We are here to participate in his blood and we are here to participate in his body. Because it is in his blood and in his body that we receive the blessing of God. Apart from him, we have no blessing. The more we try to please God on ourselves, we have no blessing. But this morning, when we take up the cup of blessing in our hands, we are saying, Lord, my curse belongs to you. But your blessing, it now belongs to me. We are participating in the blood of Jesus. And we are participating in the body of Jesus. Verse 17, because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of one bread. I mean, physically speaking, it is not one bread. But spiritually, we are all taking part of the one bread, Jesus himself. We are all becoming one body. So this morning, you should remember, this This is why it is important for us to do communion together with church. It's necessary for you to do it in your homes, it's good. But the reason we do it together as a church is we are de- declaring, we are making an announcement in the spirit realm. that hey, we are one body. We are all parts of, you know, different families, different cultures, different names, different nationalities, different races, different colors. But when we come and take part of the bread of blessing, the the cup of blessing, now we are all under the same blessing. We are all under the same word that God has spoken over our lives. And we are free. We are blessed with the promises that God has given to Abraham. Now we have all the blessings, including the greatest blessing of having the Holy Spirit within us. We have. We are blessed. Jesus, he, 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 would, he would do this the night before he was you know, crucified. Luke chapter 22, verse 19, the Bible says, He took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then as a symbolic way, he broke it in pieces. And then he gave it to his disciples. He first worshipped God, gave thanks to God for it. And then specifically he took time to break that bread. To show how his body is now going to be broken on the cross for us. Saying this is my body which is given for you. Which is broken for you. Which is blessed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do you know that the body of Jesus inherited all the curses that, that you and I, we, we are responsible for, that we deserve the body of Jesus, the, the person Jesus. He carried all that curses upon himself when he went on the cross. And now he's breaking this bread and he's giving it into your hands saying, but what you're taking part of is not the curse. What you're taking part of is the blessing. What I'm giving you in return so I want you to do this in remembrance of me now do we like remember him all the time yes we do remember him all the time every time we pray but the communion whenever we take the Lord's Supper it is our focus is not just on you know Jesus our focus is on what Jesus carried for us on the cross we are what what the church at Galatia lost the picture of the cross, what they lost, the evil spell that was cast on them, because of which they lost that focus. That is what we are trying to regain and saying, Jesus, we do this in remembrance of you. We do this keeping our eyes fixed on you, fixed on that cross, on the cross where my curses were carried. After supper, the Bible says he took another cup of wine. If you read, Luke chapter 22 it's very interesting to note there were two cups of wine that he gave to his disciples first he began by taking the first cup and he said this is a special cup because this one I will not take part of this till I come again in the kingdom that is you know in the new millennium in the thousand years that's a different feasting together with Jesus but the second cup it represented something else this was not supposed to be taken only in the new millennium. This is to be taken right now. Because this is a cup of blessing. Okay. It says. After supper he took another cup of wine. And said. This cup. Because this cup is a cup of blessing. It says. This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. Next line. An agreement that is confirmed with my blood. Which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, when you take part of this cup, you're taking part, not just of wine, now you're taking part of that covenant. There is a covenant that God made to Abraham. There was a covenant that God made with his people that he loved, with David. There was a covenant that God made with Noah. There There were several covenants that were made with God's people over the ages. Now, all of God's covenants, all of his promises, they are available for us. Through Jesus because of what Jesus has done when we take part of the communion when we take part of the of the blood of Jesus you know the the vine it is just a physical element but it is symbolic of us saying Lord I exchange my physical lineage for my spiritual lineage my physical lineage I belong to the family of Virgus or the family of Matthew or the family of Abraham but in my spiritual lineage, I'm exchanging this to take part of the body of Christ. I'm participating in the body and the blood of Jesus. Amen. Apostle Paul would explain to us how we should take part of the communion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. He says, for every time, read it with me. You eat this bread or you drink this cup. This is what you're doing. You are announcing the Lord's death. Until he comes again every time that you eat this bread or you drink this cup This is what you're doing. You're you're announcing what Jesus did for us on the cross You're fixing your eyes back on the cross You're You're going back to that picture that you saw the day that you got saved if you got saved with a Revelation that is not the cross then you're not saved The only thing that has the power to save us is the cross the cross of Jesus Christ so if anybody told you hey just fill up this form and attend this church and you're saved that's not true you don't get saved by attending church you get saved because you put your faith on what Jesus did for you on the cross when he died for your sins when he carried your curses when he carried your failures upon that cross and now Apostle Paul says every time Every time. That is why we should take this very often. That's why we do this every Sunday in church. See, every Sunday we don't have the time or the privilege to teach about communion. But this Sunday, I hope that you you, you understand this very well. That you take it with the right revelation. That whenever I take part of the bread and of the wine, I'm participating in the body and the blood of Jesus. I'm participating in a blessing. Now I'm no longer under curse now I don't have to treat myself according to my old way now I have to speak what God speaks about me now I I can't say that I'm under a curse anymore now I can't try to you know somehow you know just do with my own human effort try to please God no now I have the Holy Spirit that is given to me because of this blessing now i can i can do this with the strength that he can that he gives me i'm telling you church whatever areas you feel you don't have the ability to do whatever you you're supposed to do if you have the holy spirit you can do it you don't need special willpower you don't need anything all that you need is the holy spirit jesus didn't say i will send you know you know after i'll send the holy spirit and then i will send all these special you know Things that will help you. No, the Holy Spirit is all that we need to live for Jesus. The greatest blessing that we can have is the Holy Spirit. And if we have begun certain things in the Spirit, we can also be perfected in those things in the Spirit. And this morning, we are saying, Lord, we want to announce your death. When we take part of the bread and the wine this morning, we want to announce your death. Now, on that note, let's read on. In what Apostle Paul says so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord because now this is serious business you know what was happening in the church at Corinth is that people they, they would come to church hungry and uh, they would say, oh wait, there is food served. By the way, it was never supposed to be a tiny wafer and a small cup. That's not how Jesus did it. That's not how the first century church did it. The first century church, they had a full-fledged meal. So if they were Indians, what they would be doing is idli and sambar. Yeah, I mean, we, we think, okay, the bread and the wine has something special. No, if they were Americans, they would be doing burger and Coke. Yeah, That was their staple food. Bread and wine was their staple food. That's what they would take every night, every time they would gather. And the Bible says that these guys, they would come and they would take part of the table of the Lord in a very um, very casual way. Some of them, they will just come and put their hand in, you know, into it and finish the whole thing. And, and Paul is explaining and saying, hey, guys, you cannot... Take this cup or the table of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Because if you do that, you're guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And some churches, uh, some doctrine theologians, they all, you know, have their own revelations on this. And they, they now enforce this on people saying, hey, you guys shouldn't take part of the table. You shouldn't do it. The Bible never tells us to not take part of the table. Okay, I'm going to read it from the scripture. I'll tell you how the Bible tells us to take part of the table of the Lord. You know, God has not given authority to any human being to stop anyone else from taking part of the table of the Lord. Yeah. And the Bible doesn't even ask you to refrain from taking part of the table of the Lord. Okay? I'll explain what the Bible says. But it doesn't say, hey, you are unworthy, so you should not take part of the table of the Lord. See, see it is our willingness to understand what is it that makes me worthy that will make sure that the blessing of God will stand see this this cup it is supposed to be blessing to us but if we do it in an unworthy manner what does it say we will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of Jesus yeah which means there is more judgment and more punishment coming because of that what is supposed to be a blessing can actually become a curse you know, Jesus taught this to the disciples who were going into city to city to do ministry in Matthew chapter 10, verse 11. He said, whenever you enter a city or village, search for a, a worthy person. A worthy person. Somebody a worthy, worthy person. You remember what, what Apostle Paul said, don't take part of the communion unworthily. Okay, he says, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. Now, explain to me. What does Jesus mean by worthy person? Is this person a saved person? Like they are going to preach the gospel. Is this person saved? Yes. They're not. They're going, see the disciples are going to preach about the kingdom to these guys. So how do you say this guy is worthy? It was not the fact that they've, they had their doctrines correct. It was not the fact that they had their revelation on God correct. It was not the fact that they believed in Jesus. That is not what, them, what made them worthy. Goes on to say in the next line, when you enter the home, this is what you should do. You should give it your blessing. See, Jesus, he blessed the disciples and he sent them out, right? And now the disciples were supposed to release that blessing that, he, that they received from Jesus into these homes wherever they enter to release that blessing and say okay this blessing that we have received from God we pass it on to you. Okay release that blessing. That's the same phrase Apostle Paul would use for what I have received from the Lord I now pass it on to you. It was a cup of blessing. It was a blessing. Then Jesus gave this warning in verse 13. If it turns out to be an unworthy home then what should you do? then let your blessing stand. But if it is not, then what should you do? Take back, Take back that blessing. Yes, you're blessed. Yes, good words have been spoken over your life. But there are certain things that we can do because of which we, can, we may not be worthy of carrying that blessing. We'll, we'll, we'll understand that. Let's, let's go on. It says in verse 28, 1 Corinthians. We're back to 1 Corinthians. I just gave you a glimpse of what Unworthy, Just just so that we can break this thing about worthy. What makes us worthy? Because sometimes we think, man, if only I am as worthy as someone else in the church. You know, we we compare ourselves with someone else, right? And then we say, I am more worthy than he is. Or he is more worthy than I am. Because, you know, our standard of comparison. By our standard of comparison, I have prayed more. Or I have done more. Or I have sinned less. And by that standard, I am more worthy. But that's that's not Jesus' standard of worthiness. That's why I gave you that example, verse 28, First Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. That is why you should all examine your neighbor. Now, your 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 spouse, right? Your children. Who should you examine? The pastor should examine their, all the church members before they take part of the. Now, what does it say? Each of you, you should examine yourself. To check what? To check if you are unworthy or worthy. If there is anything in your heart that makes you unworthy. If there is anything in your heart, in your mind, in your relationships that make you unworthy. Now, it says in the next line. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ... You are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Now tell me, what is it that makes you unworthy? It is lack of honor. What makes you worthy or unworthy is not your perfection. What makes you worthy or unworthy is your lack of honor. So when these disciples would go into these homes, what they were looking for is how much honor are they giving us? How much, how are they welcoming? How, how do they place food before us? They're looking for honor. And if there is honor, and they're like, wait a minute, this house is worthy. Let the blessing stand. If this house is not honorable, if there is no honor in this house, then they would just you know dust the sand under their sandals and they will walk away. And Jesus said, the judgment on that city or that town or that village or that home. Man, it's crazy. It's greater. It will be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah. Let your blessing stand if that person is worthy. So here we see Paul is saying this is the attitude with which we should eat or drink of the Lord's table. It is by first examining ourselves and then honoring the body of Christ. Let me ask you this who is the body of christ today the person sitting next to you we are the body of christ so if there is any kind of dishonor towards anybody else the bible says then we are eating and drinking god's judgment upon ourselves if there is any kind of dishonor so what should we do we should come into the presence of the lord and we should examine ourselves to see is there any any kind of dishonor any kind of disrespect any any impure motive any 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 areas where i am living under false agendas false pretenses any areas where i am not depending on the holy spirit i'm i'm depending on my own human effort any areas where i need to surrender to god i examine myself you examine yourself we examine ourselves and we judge. The other, other translation says we judge ourselves. We, we prepare ourselves well. And it says because, because some of you, you are taking part of this bread and wine without honoring the body of Christ. It says you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. As a result of that, many of you are weak and sick or have even... Wait a minute. Is there punishment, judgment in the New Testament? It says yes. For what? For what sin? For what sin? Dishonoring the body of Christ. Dishonoring the church. Because, see, you should understand, this church that Apostle Paul is writing to, they were so self-obsessed that they didn't bother about the fact that there were people coming after them who had to take part of the communion. They'll just come and they'll just hog all the food and finish the entire meal. And the people that are waiting in line, they'll not have food. And then Paul is writing to a church like that and saying, hey, you're doing this dishonoring the body of Christ. Dishonoring your brothers and sisters that are there in the church today with you. You cannot, you cannot do this. Take part of the bread and the wine dishonoring them. Paul is saying, let there be divine order. He's not saying stop or refrain or don't take part of the bread and wine. He says, before you come from home, make sure your tummy is full. He's saying, don't come and eat this for hunger. Eat this for remembering what Jesus did for us. Eat this to fix your eyes back on the cross. Because if you don't do it, then as a result of it, many of you have become weak. Many of you have become sick. Or many of you have even died. But what would happen? What would happen? Church, imagine with me what would happen if we would do this honoring the body of Christ what would happen if we would do this with love for one another what would happen if we would do this with love for jesus and his presence in this church those who are weak will be made strong this morning those that are sick will be healed those that are dead will be raised back up if we do this honoring the body of christ see there is no other qualification that is necessary in the you know some churches they say if you wear ornaments you cannot take part of the communion. Some churches they say you have to be speaking in tongues to take part of the communion. Some churches they are trying to be as safe as possible in saying you have to be baptized to take part of the communion. But technically speaking when did Jesus initiate the communion? Before the cross. Before he went upon the cross. What is baptism? Baptism is us joining to the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So what did what did the disciples take part in? They took part in communion before there was actual baptism. Before they were technically baptized. Before they actually experienced what it means to be one with the death, burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So this was not limited to some people that follow a particular doctrine. See, by on that point, if there is anyone in this place who is not yet baptized, you should and you believe in Jesus, you've given your life to the Lord, you should get baptized. I'm not stopping you from getting baptized. If you, if you haven't received the Holy Spirit, you should pursue Him. You should ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit. There's no doubt about it. You know, if, if there is any, any areas of struggle or sin in your life, you have to ask help from the Holy Spirit. Seek out help from the leaders. Let them help you, take you through a process to help you overcome those things. But those things are not the criteria for you to take part of the communion this morning. The only thing that is a criteria is are you willing to examine yourself? Are you willing to judge yourself? Are you willing to honor the body of Christ? Are you willing to honor the brother and the sister sitting next to you? Are you willing to honor the body, this whole body of Jesus? Are you willing to honor the body of Christ that is outside the four walls of this church? When you see members of another church, do you look down upon them? When you see members of another organization, do you say, Oh man, these guys are lost. Or do you still love them with the love of the Lord? Do you have an honor for the body of Christ? If you have the honor, if you do it dishonoring, then we are guilty in taking part of the bread and the wine. See, we don't have an option this morning to not take part of the bread and the wine. All of us have to take part of the bread and the wine. Yeah. There is no option. We have to. But right? this is how we will take part in it. We will first examine ourselves and we will fit the dishonor in our hearts. We will we'll posture ourselves to a place of honor to God's people. It goes on to say, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, it is not so that he can condemn us. It is so that we can be disciplined. And so that we are not condemned along with the world. So there are, there are judgments that are there even in the New Testament church. If there's anybody that tells you, hey, in Christ Jesus, there's, no, no. There is a blessing and then there is a curse. Yes, there is, you, we, we are not under that curse. But if we do this in a way that is dishonoring the body of Christ, then there are judgments and curses that we can inherit right here in the church the same body and the blood that is a blessing to somebody else can become a curse to someone else that is why the Bible says "Hey, when we take part of this judging ourselves, examining ourselves honoring the body of Christ then we will not be judged by God in this way in other words we will not be weak we will not be sick and we will not die instead we will receive strength we will receive healing and we will receive life this morning Amen. Thank you for tuning in for today's sermon. We hope this word has been a blessing to you. Do visit us at dreamingrevival.com for more information. You are welcome to tune in every Sunday for our live celebration service at 11am at youtube.com slash pastor Preaching. God bless you and have a blessed week.